Introducing From the Glove Box, an automotive podcast with Mike and Tony Tadage, the father-son team and owners of Team T Automotive in Northern Indiana. Hey, Mike and Tony Tadich, uh back with you from the glove box, uh, getting a couple more episodes going for you today. So uh, uh reminder for everybody, we're a father and son independent shop owners in northern Indiana, the South Bend, Indiana area to be specific. Uh, if you don't know where that's at, uh, we have that little thing called Notre Dame, Golden Dome thing, whether you love them or hate them. Um, that's kind of where we're located around that area and stuff. So, uh, but again, we do this podcast, uh, father and son, we don't, we've owned automotive service centers for 38 plus years. Um, and we service all makes all models and, uh, just come to you with, uh, different things, different tips, uh, things going on for the, you know, many years that we've been in a business. So Tony, how are you doing today? Wonderful. And he's always, uh, he's the pick me up side of our life and stuff so he's uh always dark in our glove box i guess and stuff but uh dark and small dark and not small but maybe dark uh uh yeah tony goes about six four maybe uh we won't we won't hang a weight on him but you know uh but anyhow uh 275 okay that's 280 yeah okay there we go um yeah that's interesting i have two sons uh One's 280 and one's 140. <laughs> so about half. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, but uh, we like to talk to you about a car repair and that, how to properly get your car. Americans uh, rely on, the, uh, you know, we're very dependent on the uh, service and uh, good reliability and a safe automobile and stuff. And, you know, there's different parts of the country that's maybe getting ready for winter there's hurricanes out in the south and there's you know just all sorts of heat that we run through in different parts of the country as well so although there's a lot of things that are very similar to service through your car there's a lot of things that are a little different so anything uh currently going on in the shops uh that you want to share with people we got a third store well, that's true. So we we have expanded our footprint in our area to, you know, service more stuff around the South Bend, Indiana area and stuff. But hey, one of the things that we talked about topic wise is you've got a certain problem with your car um, and you call your shop or you don't know a shop and you call somebody in general and and it needs tested or it needs diagnosed or, um, you know, your neighbor over the weekend told you you need blah, 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 as you're sitting out on your driveways, drinking beer or whatever you're doing. I don't know what happens in your neighborhood, but, um, but, uh, there's an approach to diagnosing cars and I, it, you know, it's changed a lot in our 38 years for that. So a lot of the diagnosing, the testing, you can go to a parts store and get somebody, they call it pulling a code, which I'm not really fond of that terminology, but, um, so we get people calling the shops all the time and says, how much are brakes? I went to, you know, XYZ parts store and they told me I need an oxygen sensor. How much is that? And stuff. So I think the, the subject that we wanted to hit on today with this is what's the proper way to approach that? So any, any thoughts on that, Tony? The proper way to approach it is to go to your local automotive service center, not the parts store. Well, that's a very... That's a very accurate assessment. For, some, for a couple of reasons. 
the parts store is there to sell you parts. So that would be one number one reason. So whatever code they pulled, they're going to take it at face value and they're going to sell you whatever part that goes with that code. And that's not always necessarily the the thing that needs done. So remember, codes are a fixing point or a starting point, not a fixing point. The second reason is most most of the time the parts store has now evolved. It used to be you'd go to the parts store, your local parts guy was one of the most knowledgeable automotive guys, but maybe he no longer works on cars, but now he works at the parts store because maybe he's older and took that as a retirement job and so on and so forth. Nowadays, your parts store professionals are not automotive people in a lot of cases. They don't have intuitive automotive knowledge. They haven't been mechanics or technicians, if you will, for 20 plus years. So they are run of the mill guys out of high school, girls out of high school, you know, uh, college, stuff like that, that, that don't have that intuitive knowledge from working on cars for 20 plus years before. There might be one guy in the store that has that knowledge versus your local repair shop uh, either has state certified technicians, ASC certified technicians, and most really, really good shops are going to be paying for schooling for their technicians to, to perform continuing education. Those technicians use that intuitive knowledge that they're learning and gaining every single year to be able to properly repair your vehicle. Yeah, no, those those are all all great points with this. So I think the difference is if you go into a modern parts store and walk through the front of it, the majority of it is filled with waxes and polishes and wheel cleaners and all these other types of things. So the the information from that guy behind the counter may not be technically savvy, I guess. Um, whereas your independent automotive service center is going to have very skilled, you know, people that know what they're doing and stuff. So this code pull thing we're talking about is your checking light engine light comes on in your dash. And then if it's in a worse scenario, it comes on your uh, dash and it flashes. Uh, and that's an indication of so many things. The bad thing about this check engine light, which is really a bad terminology that all cars use, uh, government's really kind of forced everybody to use a check engine light system, but your check engine light will not come on if you're out of oil. It will not come on if your car's overheating. There's a lot of things that it doesn't come on. It is primarily tied to, you know, the engine management, the computer management sort of it. So when we say, we are pulling a code out of the uh, out of the system. There's computers in your car, like there is at your house, and there's there's trouble codes. There's you know you have to reboot your computer at home, or maybe you have to do a Microsoft update or something like that. And all these things need done. So the difference in your independent automotive shop versus your parts store is you've got a guy with no experience in running out with a twenty dollar code puller that does not tell you exactly what the car needs with that simple piece. Whereas you go to your independent shop, you're going to have a trained technician with expensive equipment, 10, 20, $30,000 worth of equipment, plus updates, plus schooling and training. And they're going to go through the system. So if we could explain anything to you as a consumer, don't call shops and ask them how much is. We feel that a lot of times we, customers ask that because they don't know what else to ask we really need to have somebody go through a full testing you would never call up the family doctor and say hey how much it is to fix my broken leg 
or you wouldn't call the dentist and say, how much is it to fix my left rear molar? You know, um, you don't do those, but a lot of people respectfully call in to automotive service centers and that's ask the how much is question. So we use a simple saying, but I think it's a very accurate one. Um, and it was an old sign that we had in the shop for years, years and years, but it's still accurate is test. Don't guess. So if you call a good qualified automotive service center and ask them for something specific, specific, they're respectfully going to want to do some testing on that to confirm maybe what somebody else told you. Maybe it was another shop or confirm what you Googled, which be careful of that <laughs> um, respectfully. But uh, that's that's a little bit about the check engine light system. What else do you have with that, Tony? Um, I think you pretty well hit it with most of that. And, you know, the, the, the sophistication of the modern automobile has increased so greatly that, you know, a lot of times that, that probably a 40 to $60 code puller now, not 20 bucks anymore, but you know, it could pull the wrong code. It could come up and say that it's a PO 302 and it's not that, um, it may not be accurate. You know, I, I know what we pay for updates every single month in each one of our stores for our scanning equipment. And I know what our scanners cost and our scanners aren't 40 or $60 or a hundred dollars or $200 or $500. And I would love a scanner that was a thousand dollars, but they just don't seem to work all that well. So most of our scanning equipment is North of, you know, $3,000 or more, depending on uh, what scanner we're talking about, maybe all the way up to 10 to $15,000. So that the information that you're going to get from that device is not going to be as great as what a, a modern shop can give you. Um, it's, you know, is, is the vehicle gets more sophisticated. I was just, I had a meeting yesterday. I was talking about what's called ADOS, which is your long range and short range radar in your car. It's, it's how your car brakes uh, and picks up the car in front of you to slow down um, cruise control wise. And, you know, that's going to be something that's that's going to have to be calibrated every so often. So we have alignments on cars. Now you're going to have to calibrate that stuff. Um, and it's going to take some getting used to from from people in, in everything that way. Anymore, you may not even be able to do a brake job in your driveway. It's getting to that point. So um, without having these heavy-duty scanners and stuff along those lines. Yeah, and there's uh, modern cars. I was just... Uh kind of pop up and Google that, but modern cars, you know, probably in the eighties, we started coming out with computers on cars that control the engine, but now we have body control modules that control power windows and air conditioning now, and gosh, even alternators and transmissions and stuff. So there's so many more versions of that. So when Tony talks about these scanners or these tools that we use, you have to have a whole bunch of different, um, uh, ones of those on, you know, in your shop to be able to do that. So, but the modern car also lasts, if you maintain it lasts three, four or 500,000 miles with proper maintenance too. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of different sophistication on that. So I think the simple thing it is, is find a good trustworthy shop in your town, your city, your County, wherever you're at, somebody that, you know, as certified technicians and hires that they're not going to be the cheapest person on the block, uh, but they're going to understand the modern automobile and be able to service that correctly because um, we can make these things last real, you know, a long, long time for you, much longer than your parents or grandparents maybe drove a car um, 
you know, that is, is, you know, doesn't last at 80 or a hundred thousand miles. They were replacing the engine and the body was rusting out. That doesn't happen anymore. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, advantages. And right now in the current, uh, you know, goings on where we have a car shortage of new cars and good shortage of used cars on, on lots and stuff like that. So some good preventative maintenance and some good service and good testing by a local independent shop will make your car last uh, a whole lot longer and be the two things that everybody wants. They want a safe car and they want a reliable car. Well, that's this is uh, Mike and Tony Tadich from the Glove Box with a little bit about getting your car properly tested when you have a problem. Hey, Tony um, and everybody, we're uh, Mike and Tony Tadich from the Glove Box, back with you. Uh, got a caller that called in with a question talking about fuel injection cleaning. Um, and, and the call kind of went back, you know, you know, sometime back 20, 30 years ago, it was pretty important to clean fuel injectors, especially on a higher mileage car. And uh, is it still important? And uh, what's, what's the importance of it and stuff? So... I can talk a little bit about the history and then I'll let Tony talk about the current thing. Cause I can't this, talk about the history. I was like two. Yeah. I know. When the so 90s that's, started. that's why the, that's why the old guy's going to dig into the fuel side of it. So, you know, back when we switched from leaded gas to unleaded and the different things like that, engines used to do, they used to burn valves. So this part of the engine at the top where the fuel went, it would just kind of eat away at things. And that was before we had, computer management, fuel injection and stuff. And we had carburetors and stuff. So we had a whole different set of problems. You would, you would bring your car in at a hundred thousand miles and we would have to do what we call a valve job, which was removing the top part of the engine. There's, if it's a V8, it's got two heads. Um, and we would remove those and we would repair those valves, grind them, replace them, whatever, and do that. And that was based on the fuel that was used and, really the inefficiency of a carburetor and how it um it just didn't it just did it wasn't efficient so when modernization and fuel injection came in and computerized cars it just made the the uh the way that that went in there a lot better so we didn't we don't really burn valves in cars anymore and we don't have this problem the byproduct or the other negative thing that happens is we get carbon buildup in modern engines that require fuel injection cleaning. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about, uh, Tony, the, you know, modern car and what, what fuel injection cleaning means and averages that they need to be done and why it's important. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're talking about valves and everything and burning valves and my generation of car repair, we don't burn them. We just bend them. So for those of you that uh, are, car enthusiasts that know a little bit about that um but uh you know anymore doing fuel injection cleanings is not just for high mileage vehicles it really should be done most of the time starting out at every 15,000 miles or every year in most vehicles and most applications especially is is gdi vehicles to become more what's gdi mean uh gas direct injection so 
So what does that mean? It doesn't squirt the fuel into the uh, valve area, the cylinder head. It squirts the fuel directly into the combustion chamber. So um, it's going in and in, in putting it directly in there instead of how it used to in the vehicles back in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's more it, it's, it's more, more specific it's more yeah it's more efficient so it's one of the ways that computerization and fuel injection and and uh direct um fuel injection has enhanced fuel mileage that's why we yeah. can get more horsepower and more fuel mileage out of smaller engines yeah in in the problem is um you know I was trying to look up some quick statistics on, on, uh, uh, you know, how our gas is made now compared to how it was then. So, but when I put, uh, I just researched, uh, oil barrel, uh, use per gallon of gas. So petroleum refineries in the United States produce about 19 to 20 gallons of motor, uh, gasoline and 11 to 12 gallons of ultra low sulfur, uh, uh, distillate fuel oil, most of which is sold as diesel fuel. I was going to say, what the hell does that mean? Yeah, and in several states, it's heating oil. So from one 42-gallon barrel of crude oil, I'm sure if you look that up in the 90s, you probably weren't getting that much uh, uh, gasoline or diesel out of that barrel of crude. You were probably getting a lot less, probably a lot more oil in the gasoline, which is why the gasoline was probably better at that point in time. Now as we've, we've introduced, you know, other items into the gallon of gas that you burn in your car and our octanes have dropped and everything else the gas isn't cheap by price but it's cheaply made and what happens with that is you get carbon deposits inside your engine and you say well what's carbon deposits and for most people for i'll i'll compare carbon deposits to two different things for the younger generation think of carbon deposits like plaque on your teeth so it's these little deposits that form in and around your teeth. And that's why you have to go get your teeth cleaned every two times a year, every six months. Um, carbon deposits are these little deposits that form in pistons and valves and in, you know, combustion chambers and piston sleeves, stuff like that, that then, then cause carbon buildup. Um, for those that are maybe a little bit older, uh, you remember what a chimney is uh, in your house. And you remember that you used to have to have a chimney sweep come and clean the black soot out of the chimney. If it was a, a if it was wood burning, Mine, wood mine's burning. gas. Mine doesn't do that crap. Yeah. So, yeah, la ti da. So, um, but you'd have the chimney sweep come clean the chimney deposits, you know, out from from the wood burning and everything else. Your your car has the same thing going on inside. I remember um, we had a loaner car that we had bought that. It was a super high mileage uh, Lexus that had sat for a long period of time and stuff. And, and we let it sit a little bit longer. And I remember we went, we put a transmission in it because we bought it needing a transmission. It was one of our first loaner cars. We went to turn the engine over, first time engine wouldn't turn over. And we used what's called a bore scope, um, which is essentially a camera that's on a long uh, wire. It allows us to take a look inside the engine and be like going to the doctor and swallowing a camera so they can see inside your innards yeah and and the engine was locked up because of carbon so in in literally we took the engine took the cylinder heads off took everything apart cleaned everything put all new gaskets in it put it back together and the engine fired up and literally carbon had locked that engine up just from sitting a piece of carbon broke off while it was sitting 
got in between the uh, piston and the valve and wouldn't allow the engine to turn over. And, and that carbon deposit over time can basically become like a rock or a stone. Um, it can be that hard. Uh, so going in and cleaning this stuff uh, uh, is hugely important. We use BG products. So BG makes a great fuel system cleaner um, in, in everything that we can put in. Uh, we actually fog it in with a machine. So it goes in through basically your air intake. Um, what some people know is where your air filter is at. Um, and then it goes all the way through the entire engine and it comes out the exhaust. I, I tease uh, clients of ours. When we do this process, we could go park the car in your backyard and we could fog for mosquitoes and bugs because that much smoke is going to come out of your exhaust while we do this process. We have to then open up the throttle every 30 seconds. We have to go from, from idle to wide open throttle. So we literally uh, go wide open throttle every 30 seconds, let that stuff breathe out and suck it in through the engine even more. And the process takes usually anywhere from 30 minutes to 45 minutes, depending on the application. And if your car is, is a normal uh, uh, injected car, or if it's a gas direct injection vehicle. So, um, you know, it's, it's just a process that, that has changed and evolved. I, I tease, I'll shout out my uh, father-in-law, John, but you know, he would be a very hard person to get to do this type of service because you never had to do this before. It wasn't as important. And if you did need to do that back in the day, you just go buy, you know, a Lucas product or something like that. and You dump it in your gas tank. Well, that will work if you do it every single fuel tank all the time from day one that you purchase the vehicle brand spanking new off the lot. The stuff that you put in the fuel tank will work. If you're not going to do that, which most people aren't, last time I checked, you're probably not going to go buy a bottle and dump it in every time you put a tank of fuel in. I usually put two to three tanks of fuel in a week at the, at the present time. I'm not going to keep two to three of those bottles in my truck. Um, you know, this is why then you bring it to the doctor, which is us. And instead of using over the counter medication, we go in and we use a prescription to clean out all your carbon deposits in your fuel system. Yeah. So I, I would summarize that with this on fuel injection cleaning. Most modern cars needed on average of a year, and 12 to 15,000 miles, they are, it's this carbon that builds up is like rocks or unburnt fuel that lodges in your engine and causes, it'll cause it to not run efficiently because a modern computer compensates for a poorly running engine. And you may not even know it's running poorly because the computer will make changes quicker than you can adjust with that. So it, it kind of fakes you out with that. But this fuel injection cleaning needs done regularly. There's products like BG that are only sold and only can be purchased through professional service centers like ours um, and others, many, many others nationwide. Um, the same way that your doctor um, prescribes you a prescription um, that you can't go buy at the local CVS or Walgreens. Um, and I think the last, uh, you know, the, the piece of this is it, it's, it's harmful to the engine. So cleaning that out on a regular basis just will make the engine last a lot longer, run a lot more efficient, um, and get it done. And, uh, it's just things that your professional automotive service center can take care of for you and help that you can compensate from some, from like Tony said, dumping a little additive in each tank, or quite honestly, you can buy better gas, but most of us run to the cheapest gas station, don't we? And we buy the cheapest gas and put in our car. 
with no concern with that. So it's no different than going to the dentist twice a year to get the plaque cleaned off your teeth. Um, and that's what we need to do with our car. So that's a little bit about fuel injection cleaning from Mike and Tony Tadich from the glove box. Driving the discussion today is brought to you by Auburn Gear. With Auburn Gear, you enjoy the top of the line American-made diffs. Our extensive lineup includes specialty models for your specific needs. From everyday driving to performance racing, hauling loads on the highway, or conquering the toughest trains. Auburn Gear has satisfied power enthusiasts for over 50 years. Visit AuburnGear.com for more. Hey, Mike and Tony Tadich back with you from the glove box. We're independent service center owners in South Bend, Indiana, Northern Indiana. Um, And our session here is, what is it again? Something I don't believe. No. The the subject versus the uh, discussion. Call it driving the discussion. Sponsored by our friends at Auburn Gear. Auburn Gear makes a wonderful uh, gears for all sorts of vehicles off-road, and they do a great product and stuff. So they sponsor this uh, this uh, session for us and stuff. But we're talking about finally. You always make fun of me about how I open and stuff, and finally you butcher the opening of one of these. That's oh great. boy! Yeah, I didn't. I was just trying to see if you were on the same page. I just, I just it was a test for you. You failed. Yeah, no, I got yeah. this. I can. I nailed this. So we're talking about the subject of winterization, which is, and Tony and I were talking about. We right don't before, do winterization well, anymore. we do, but this is, we were just discussing this. So we, we were, we're not going to get an argument for, well, we could maybe. We're going to debate. We're going to debate, which is kind of an argument. It's just a nicer way to say it. But yeah, the, you're, the, you're proper, the proper winterization of a vehicle. So people will call up and, hey, we know we're all over the country. So in Southern states, um, you know, it may be totally different than being in Indiana where we're at or being in, you know, even colder states. I mean, we have people in our automotive group that are in Alaska. It gets 40 below. Um, things are, it's a whole different thing. So it does vary uh, from state to state and different parts of the country and stuff. But winterization, I'll talk about what it used to really be um, in the northern states. And it was really to flush your cooling system so it didn't freeze. And it was, you know, to really make sure that your car was tuned up because you had a carburetor and old spark plugs and stuff. And then you used yeah, to put winter. You, you used to have to still press that gas pedal on the right side to be able to start the car. A yeah, times. exactly. And you didn't have these all these uh, fancy things you guys got now. But we would put snow tires. Most of the vehicles are rear-wheel drive, so you put snow tires on the back and stuff. So that's what winterization used to be. Um, I mean, I think the discussion Tony and I having before is if you take care of your car and properly maintain it, fuel injection, cleaning, and all these different things that are needed, there's probably not as much needed to be done. Um, and again, it, it's based on different climate and stuff. So let's talk about, we're going to, we're going to head a little bit more on probably the Midwest and the upper colder States on some of the things that you should, if if you don't service your car real regularly, what are some of the things that you should pay attention to? I feel that, so I'm going to dance around your question to begin with. I know that's going to shock you. Great. Um, 
I feel that winterization is a subject that is null and void. I feel that making sure that your vehicle and yourself is winter ready is what the subject should be taken over to. Um, and basically what that means is your, you should take your car just like getting uh, a physical. You should, you should at least, even if you don't go put 5,000 miles a year on your car, it should go to the car guy at least two times a year. It should have a spring inspection coming out of wintertime um, to make sure everything is fine and the pothole roads didn't destroy anything and everything else. And it should have a pre-winter inspection before you uh, go into the winter months um, and stuff to make sure that your tires are good. Make sure that, that you know, you haven't uh, uh, put something wrong in your washer solvent. Uh, make sure, you know, washer solvent is about the only thing that we have to pay attention to pH balance wise and freezing temperature wise anymore. pH. Yeah, I don't. That's your era. So just <laughs> trying to speak to it, trying it, to speak to our older kid it, folk. I thought we were talking about PhD or something. I thought we were talking about a college education, but we're no. talking about freezing. So think about that, though. So things that become more important in the colder, wintry states, or even if you're in the, you know, Kentucky, Tennessee, that gets a lot of ice and stuff like that, having something that can melt that off the windshield and having good, really good wiper blades. We used to put winter wiper blades on cars. We don't do that anymore. Um, in the northern colder states and with a lot of snow we may put all season or we may put winter tires on the car all the way around um that and you you know you'd think well i got a front wheel drive vehicle why would i put them all the way around and you'd be surprised how amazingly different um tony's younger sister uh rochelle when she was going to college drove a older honda accord and uh we God put bless that car oh yeah that that car was uh run run hard and put away wet but um but the one thing I realized, because she was driving fairly far to a community college, and I realized when we put these all winter tires on that thing, that front wheel drive little Honda turned into really like a four wheel drive truck. That, that thing would just tank through and plow through everything. So that really made a difference. Um, so I think, you know, in essence, um, if you if you're going to run a marathon and you've trained all year long, you probably don't have to do a whole lot before the marathon. If you don't do any training you probably have a lot of training so this pre pre preparing for winter or even even in a rainy season if you're in a part of the country it gets a lot of rain i know we've had some hurricanes through the south and stuff like that i mean uh, hydroplaning and we could talk about that story sometime but uh with tony but uh, uh but hydroplaning and good traction and all those types of things are extremely important uh, gosh, even shocks and struts on your car that keeps the tire glued to the pavement. And when you go through corners, allows the car to handle really well. And all those things are extremely important in addition to all these other engine things we're doing. So I think even past the cooling system and stuff like that, a good handling car with great tires and, you know, new shocks and struts and all those pieces, great set of brakes. Uh, you know, if your brakes are 75% worn out, they still stop the car, but you may need to stop a little quicker um, in the winter. If you've got a, you know, anti-lock brake light on in your car, your anti-lock brakes don't work when the light comes on because that means there's a problem. So there's all these other things I think that go into that. So there's not, I think Tony's right with one thing that yeah, I said, you were right. About write something. it down. Write it. Let's write this down. What's the date? Let's put this down. But um, but seriously, I think there's uh, so many things that go along with 
making sure this car is safe and reliable um, that have changed from the old days of what we used to do in winterization, putting spark plugs in, flushing cooling system and stuff. Well, so. in, in, in let's face it, like we talked, we're doing, we're speaking mostly to the northern part of the United States. Um, however, you know, I got a buddy, John Pearson, that's in Alaska. Well, he's in Arizona half the year and in Alaska the other half the year. But, you know, up there, in a lot of cases, they're putting engine warming blankets on that plug into walls. They're putting block heaters in. They're putting battery warmers in if your car sits outside. We don't have to do that in the lower 48 states um, and stuff because it doesn't get consistently negative 40 degrees like it does up there. If you're in a climate that does get that and gets it consistently, yes, there is some winterization stuff that you're going to have to do um, to be to be able to you know, take care of your car in that climate and stuff. Even maybe even some of the northern Minnesota, uh, Minnesota, I'm gonna say it correctly. Uh, That's right. People um, and stuff may have to do some of that if their car is being parked outside all the time and never being brought in and thawed. So, um, but that's just not the case anymore. I mean, it, you know, I remember as a little boy, a lot of cars came in and had block heaters in them. You don't see that all that often anymore. Um, diesel trucks is about the only thing that you see block heaters on nowadays. Um, diesel brings up a good uh, point. There is probably more winterization still needed in those type of vehicles yeah. than there is others because of the fuel gelling and, you know, many yep. of the other things. Uh, so there's a lot of different things. Here's, I think I would wrap it up with this. Hit your local independent service center that, you know, that specializes in taking care of your cars and trucks and SUVs. Um, and, and ask them the proper questions about the proper servicing of that. Um, I think it all comes down to in any type of adverse climate, warm, cold, snowy, you know, wet, whatever is a, a really well-maintained and a really well-serviced automobile, automobile, um, safe car and reliable car is really what we all want. So I would rely on your local professional um, and have them, uh, he or she, point those services out uh, that will best uh, suit the needs of your cars. And uh, we'll make sure that you're safe and reliable through any road conditions you have. So that is uh, Mike and Tony Tadich uh, driving the discussion with our, with our uh, sponsors, Auburn Gear, and all the great things that they do. Check out Auburn Gear online uh, if you're looking for any type of differential services uh, or, you know, packages for jeeps and trucks and all sorts of race cars and all sorts of stuff a great uh, indiana company as well so that's uh, mike and tony tadich from the glove box hey this is uh father and son team mike and tony tadich uh just want to thank you for hanging out with us again today so you got anything to wrap up tony it's uh, uh, shutting the glove box time, so we'll see you next time on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Make sure you're here for our next one. Have a question for Mike and Tony? Call it in at 888-201-0858. This podcast is brought to you by TMT Automotive and Momentum Drives Marketing.